this week has been crazy for me. You know, it's, I'm supposed to preach on hope in the middle of serious illness. And uh, this week I met with two people that have serious illness and just trying to share with them the hope that we have in Christ. All this week I'm sitting there going, I'm preaching on uh, hope in the middle of serious illness and and there are so many people that I know that have been diagnosed or or in, in desperate straits and situations. I mean, we've just come through a period of time where our whole nation and the whole world was in fear with COVID and people were just living in fear constantly. And of course, you know, as you preach, you feel like you're responsible to speak the truth and then in doing so, you're going... So if I preach on hope in the middle of serious illness, is the Lord going to test me? Should I be fearful of that? <laughs> uh, but it's so, it's, uh, you know, it's all a part of life. Illness is part of life. Disease is a real thing. It's, uh, it's completely unavoidable. If... Uh, if there was a way that we could be ill, I would try to stay away from that. Or I, I, would, I, would, I would try not to be ill. It's just one of those things. There's a, there was a time in creation when everything was perfect. Everything was wonderful. Then the fall of man happened. Adam and Eve fell into sin and, and the curse began. In Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 22, it says, against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up until this present time. I mean, I think we live in a pretty beautiful world, don't you? I, uh, I often get to go out west and it's just unbelievable. I can't believe how pretty this world really is. And especially we live in, in a place where, you know, our, our nation is just beautiful. I go out there and I, I just draw close to God just by seeing his creation. And this is nothing. It's cursed. This, I, I can't imagine what an uncursed world would look like because this is beyond belief really the way we have it the rolling hills of Pennsylvania I grew up in the Catskill Mountains you know my wife would say the ocean I say too much sand <laughs> I figured what happened was when Adam and Eve sinned he took chlorine out of the pool and put sand right up there so it goes in places you don't want So the reality is this, that sickness and disease are unavoidable. I completely understand that because I'm getting old. <laughs> I don't know last week if you saw me walk up here, but I had a rib out of place. I was in such pain I could hardly breathe. 
but um, that was last week and now I can walk again. So I got in, I'm in alignment and anyway, uh, we get old. Here's a picture of me 27 years ago. Look at that guy. His arms are as big as my daughter's head. I was, I was weightlifting regularly with uh, the runner-up to Mr. Pennsylvania. I was strong as an ox. Now I just smell like one. <laughs> Getting old is a process. It's part of the process. It's part of the curse. My knees hurt. My joints ache. I pull muscles. I have pains for no reason at all. And when I get hurt, it takes so much longer to heal. I used to recover in, in moments. Thank you for that amen. <laughs> but when diagnosis comes, it's not an easy thing, is it? I was in the office when my daughter was diagnosed. And that was painful. Our first thought was, we're on our own. But depending on the diagnosis, we can become fearful and overwhelmed. A new reality consumes our thoughts and smothers all our hopes. Life seems unfair. We start to ask questions like why and how and why me? And, and we need to understand that it's all a part of life and it's a hard part, believe me. It's difficult. It's difficult to see people you love suffer and go through uh, the pain that they must go through. But people, we, we aren't the only ones that have done that. People all throughout the Bible have struggled with illness and sickness and they had their own struggles. Here's, here's just a few. We know of uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Job had boils. Have you ever had a boil? Oh my goodness. I had one when I was 12 right on my knee. It was the most painful thing I'd ever, and he had them all over his body. I had one. And it made me cry. But look at all the people in the scripture. You know, we aren't exempt. We aren't exempt. It happens to everyone. Everyone gets sick. Everyone gets old. And so, let me give you some things and ways to think about life. So inevitably, your time will come where something will happen Either you or one of your loved ones will be diagnosed. So how do we respond? How do we, how do we really uh, come to grips with these kind of things? What do we do? So as Christians, I think there are certain things that we can do. And here's the first one. You can center your mind. You can center your mind. Once we pass the initial shock of the diagnosis or whatever illness we have, once we get over that initial sock, we need to center our minds on Christ. Second Timothy 1 verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If we aren't careful, our imaginations can run away with us. If we're not careful, we can begin to dwell on the worst-case scenarios, and, and they may be worst-case scenarios that will never happen. When my dad was uh, so ill with COVID, 
terrible things ran through my mind. How in the world am I going to do this? What, you know, he's my dad, and we haven't talked about certain things, and, and all these things were running through my head, and I finally just prayed. Prayed a simple prayer, and I said, Lord, there are two things. There are two things that I ask of you. And actually, I snuck in a third, but... I, I prayed this. I said, Lord, if possible, heal my dad. And if you choose to heal him, please give him a quality of life. And then I said, but I want your will to be accomplished. I also added that he would continue to follow the Lord and his commitment to him and, his, and, and that he would continue to be obedient to him. Because there are people in the Bible that were healed and then after they were healed, they just fell away from God and I didn't want that to happen for my dad because he was like he's an awesome example so we need to capture our thoughts 2 Corinthians 10 5 says we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ the idea is that we are to center our mind about, around Christ and we, we, allow our, we can't allow our struggles to consume our every thought but we can get caught up in this downward spiral of, of woe me or I am so sad and, and what if this happens or what if that happens we must center our minds on him intentionally take some specific countermeasures you know we we have a, a wonderful tool on our phones most of us it's called Version, and you can get on there and and begin to look at programs and plans that you could read through and study on anxiety or overcoming fear they're there and it's a tool that you can use and it will help you center your mind The second thing we need to do is count our blessings. Not only do we center our mind, but we count our blessings. This week, I got to meet with these, uh, these two men that are uh, from our church, and um, I didn't ask their permission to share their names, so I'm not going to, but both of them mentioned that they had such a blessed life. And yeah, they didn't understand. They still don't understand why God is doing what he's doing in their lives, but they are wonderful examples of counting their blessings. How many know that old hymn, Count Your Blessings? All right, good. Can you sing it with me? I'm, gonna be, I'm doing a Pastor Ricky. <laughs> it goes like this. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Everybody now, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one.
Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Great. Isn't that something? That we can be reminded that we need to remind ourselves all the good things that God has done for us when we go through these difficult times. Going through the hardships. You know, we can't worry and don't worry for any reason. But we need to be thinking about how different our lives would be if we captured these thoughts, if we counted our blessings, if we named them one by one. I had a friend, uh, well, he's an acquaintance of mine, Dr. Eddie Dobson. He was, um, he was my dean at men of Li- at Liberty University when I was there for the first, uh, first year. We became really good friends. <laughs> Probably not in a good way because dean and men were the like, assistant principals of schools. <laughs> and, so, and so I was there not for good reasons. Usually I had done something wrong. And for the first month or two, I was in there every week. We became, <laughs> yeah, I was not a good example of a good Christian boy at that time. <laughs> but he later became a pastor of a, a huge church, Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, he learned to capture every thought. He began to bless God. He was diagnosed with ALS, and he began to bless God and count his blessings. And he named them. He said he's just so important that, that you look beyond yourself to what God has truly done in your life. Another thing, not are we to center our minds, not only count our blessings, but we need to continue to work. And this, I think, is, is probably one of the hardest things. Ephesians 2.10 says, says that we... Uh, for we are God's workmanships. We are his masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ so that uh, so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. We have a friend here at our church. His name's Tim Heiser. He, uh, he has ALS. I almost said ASL because I'm a little dyslexic, but ALS he has. And he's, uh, he's known about this disease for 14 years. He, uh, and three years before that, he was, they were trying to figure out what was going on. So for 17 years, this young man at the time, 17 years ago, uh, big, strapping, healthy guy, Tim now is relegated to you know, he, he relocated and limited in his movements. And he has uh, used a wheelchair a lot, a motorized wheelchair. But you know what Tim does? Every day he gets up, goes to his computer, and he works. He works. He continues to do what he does. And I think it's some, of it, some of it is activity engages the mind. Activity feeds our imagination. It gives us uh, opportunities to still minister and to look for other opportunities to share Christ. I don't know how much Tim can do that in his life, but boy, he's an inspiration to me. He has been uh, 
just a wonderful inspiration of a, a really great dad and father. He has three children. I think he's a good husband. I haven't talked to Jennifer about that. <laughs> but I think he is. I think he's an awesome guy. And it doesn't matter how difficult life has become. He can still do good things. And we can still do the work of the ministry. I remember when my mom was placed on hospice. It was a tough day for us as a family. But in that nine-month period of time, she taught us so much. Her faith was amazing. I think I told you the story that she was on her deathbed toward the very end, the last week of her life, and my son and I went to New York to say goodbye to mom. And uh, she, she hadn't been awake for three or four days. I think that's what I recall. My sister said, you better come. So I came. <laughs> we got up there, and Brandon leans over <laughs> And I'm at the end of the, the far end of the bed and mom's head's up here and Brandon leans over and goes, hey grandma. And she, her eyes lit up and she goes, am I in heaven? And I, of course, said, mom, anytime you're looking at this. <laughs> then she gave me one of these. Oh, Gilbert. <laughs> Continue to work. You don't know how God is going to use you. And that's what I stressed to, to these two men that I were. I said, you don't know what God is going to do through you to encourage someone, to, to help somebody think differently about God and, his, and their relationship with him. I said, it's so important to stay true to the faith and, and live it, live it out even in difficult times. And the fourth thing that I want you to look at here is claim your promises, claim his promises to us. When we keep in mind that we're battling those bad thoughts that nag at us dealing with the disease, to remember that God keeps his promises. He is faithful. In John 11, 4, it says, But when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Healing has two major components. It is for, the, it is for your good, and it is for God's glory. Jesus in, in, Jesus in uh, John chapter 11, verse 25, says, He is the resurrection and the life. Anyone that who believes in me will live, even after he dies. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. What a powerful promise that he gives to each and every one of us. So the outcome of our illness will honor God either way. Either will, in my dad's case, my dad, he was on the vent for 13 days. And um, I know the hospital think, didn't think that there was any chance that he would come off the vent. They as much as told us that. And I leaned in to dad and said, if I don't see you here, I'll see you in heaven. But my dad was healed. 
He's the talk of the hospital. 87 years old, 13 days, and 30-some days laying flat on his back. And my dad is walking with a walker, driving his little gator around the farm. It's amazing. And through this, there has opened opportunities for my sister and all those to talk about how many people were praying for my dad, how many people were, were just, just overwhelmingly kind to him. And the hospital, they, they walk around with like this, hey, look what we did. <laughs> and I look around and go, look what God did. Look what God did. It taught me a lesson, being able to help my dad, experience with my dad. It taught me several lessons that over the past several weeks I've been trying to go up you know, for a couple days each week. And it, and, and it taught me something to be able to serve my dad. Doing things that I'd never had to do before. Like give my dad a shower. Demonstrating kindness and patience at the same time. <laughs> Teamwork with my brother and sister. It's taught me a, a huge appreciation for caregivers. And most importantly, it taught me that leaning into the Lord in the troubled times is the best thing I could do. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He's got this. Wherever you are, whatever it is, he's got this. He will strengthen you, he will help you, and we will be in the center of his strong right arm. The most important thing that we can remember when dealing with illness of any struggle or any great struggle in our life is that we must be intentional in reminding ourselves that God will hold us up. He's got this. He should have, uh, we should have the trusting faith of a child to know that our loving Heavenly Father will always be there. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in time of trouble. I know these things are, the diagnoses and all these things that happen can just be devastated. And it can create fear. We know as a nation and as a world what fear's all about because we've lived it the last year and a half. People have been afraid and fearful. You want not to fear? 1 John 4, 18 says this. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. God casts out all fear when we love him. The rich young ruler came to Jesus, a person of the law, a teacher of the law came to Jesus and says, what are, the, what are the two greatest commandments in all the Bible? And he said, the first one is this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we do that, that will cast out our fear. If we build our relationship with him, if we love him, 
and work on our loving relationship with him that will cast out our fear and we'll lean into him even more let's pray Father God I thank you for your love that you got this that you're our refuge our strength that the more we lean into you the stronger we become the more fearless we become because we're leaning into you Father for those that are here and those that are watching online I, I pray especially for those that are been recently diagnosed or those that are going through treatment or those that are going through difficult times Lord may they lean into you may they experience the love of Christ in their life as never before